Welcome to Tech.London Talks. Tech.London is the go-to digital platform for London's technology ecosystem, providing a central place to discover resources and interact with our city's thriving tech scene. Today we're speaking to James Duez, entrepreneur, investor and co-founder and CEO of Rainbird Technologies. We're speaking to him to find out about Rainbird's COVID story and how they've adapted during this crisis. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. No um, so I always like to start my interviews with what I call the basics. Um, so just for the record and the audience, who are you and what do you do? So my name is James Juez. I'm co-founder, investor, and uh, as of recently, the CEO of Rainbow Technologies. Wow, that's you wearing many hats, sir. Yes, yes. Good to wear many hats. It's the job of an entrepreneur to be everything. <laughs> that's true. I, I guess uh, I guess if you're wearing many hats, it's hard to get rained on, right? Well, uh, that's true. They're looking out of the window. It's not very hard to get rained on today, but there we go. Yeah. Um, so can you give us a, a quick summary of um, Rainbow Technologies and what you guys do and uh, kind of your entrepreneur background and your investor background and kind of how life evolved for you and for Rainbow prior to covid yeah, sure. So very quick introduction to me. Uh, originally a software engineer back in the late 80s, early 90s. I, I think like a lot of entrepreneurs, after about four or five years in corporate life, I realized I was really unemployable uh, and decided to quit my perfectly good job and, and start my first business. And uh, so actually Rainbird is the fifth company I've co-founded. Uh, and I spent uh, a good part of my career uh, co-founding and building businesses in compliance, risk, data security. And the last 10, 15 years have been very focused uh, on uh, what we might loosely call AI. Um, so Rainbird is uh, eight years old. Uh, we describe it as an intelligent automation technology. Uh, so it's kind of in the, I, the AI or IA space. Um, and we're very focused day to day on, you know, servicing financial services, professional services, uh, insurers, law firms um, with, uh, with our technology, which is really all about automating decision making. Um, and more recently, we found ourselves uh, getting more involved in healthcare as well, which is, which is very relevant in the current time. That's true. Can you tell us more about your involvement in healthcare and how it came about? Yeah, so, you know, we're a team of maybe... 40, 45 people. Um, uh, once we'd done what everybody did and disbanded to working from home, and actually we were very well set up to do that anyway, um, we, we very quickly set ourselves to thinking about how we could make a difference. And I wrote an open letter um, uh, on the 20th of March, uh, inviting anybody who felt that they could use our technology to benefit others uh, in, in the face of COVID-19 to, to have that for free. And a number of organizations responded. Wow, that's great. I mean, it was, and it just felt like it was um, a purposeful thing for us to do. Uh, you know, whilst we're continuing to support our clients, the whole world's kind of in shock. Uh, and, and we wanted to keep ourselves busy making a difference. And we had some really interesting responses. We worked with one of the big four global accounting firms, uh, helping the banks around financial forbearance and helping people get the right advice uh, around their financial circumstances. But we also responded to the NHS. And um, uh, it turns out that the self-isolation instructions, the advice the government has given us all uh, as to when we should stay at home uh, and self-isolate uh, if we have symptoms is just confusing enough 
just complicated enough to be confusing. And <laughs> as, it, as it happens, the government's advice and the NHS's advice doesn't quite perfectly overlap either. And so we were approached by a one of the university uh, hospital trusts, um, the Norfolk and Orange University Hospital Trust, which is where I live. Uh, and and they, we, we engaged very rapidly with them in building a solution which went live in just eight days. Wow. That they can use with their staff. Um, and, and, and what happens is the staff talk to Rainbird. They chat with a Rainbird tool we've made. It's a website. And um, they talk about their family circumstances. And, and what it does is it gives them contextual advice or instructions as to whether to come to work or whether to stay at home. And if you're staying at home, how long that might be for and whether or not you need to, uh, people in your household are going to need to isolate as well. And um, it's a very simple tool. In some ways, it's probably the fastest thing we've ever created that may well have the, the biggest impact. Um, and very quickly, that's evolved into a tool that is now uh, actually prioritizing who should be tested. So if you imagine that you're in a house, you're an NHS worker, and you have no symptoms, but somebody else in your household has symptoms, well, under the rules, you need to isolate for 14 days, mm -hmm. uh, whilst the person who's sick will need to isolate for seven. Now, that makes you actually the person in your household who's sick is that then becomes a priority for testing, because if it turns out that that family member does not have COVID-19, then you can go back to work where you're very much needed. And so there's a whole bunch of logic around who should be tested as a priority. Uh, and we very quickly changed the platform so that it, it recommends um, you know, who should be tested. And, and now even that is expanding into doing more comprehensive risk assessments on workers. So what, you know, what's your age? What kind of pre-existing conditions do you have? If you have asthma, what kind of medication do you take? Because all of these factors uh, influence whether it's safe for you to be, you know, right at the front line in a COVID-19 facing uh, clinical ward, or whether actually you're safest being in a non-COVID-19 clinical setting, or actually you know, is it too big a risk for you to be in the hospital at all? Should you be at home or maybe in the administrative area? And this is beginning to now scale as a tool that's being used to uh, make sure that everybody gets contextual instruction as to where they should be and, and for how long, but also help uh, central services like the NHS plan, you know, who do we have available? Where can they work? When, if they're ill, are they likely to be back? And, and, and to really bring some efficiency to the way that this this uh, terrible situation is being managed. That's great. And you turned that around in only eight days. Yeah, we built the first version in 70, 72 hours, and then it took about another four or five days to get approval for it to be put live. Um, and I think we've been updating it about twice a week since then. Um, mm -hmm. and, and now it's expanding and expanding and, and actually going off in all sorts of other tangents. So it's a good example of a piece of, uh, of a solution that actually most organizations could benefit from. So, you know, if you're, it, unless you're sitting at a desk, uh, like we probably are, looking at a, a, a computer at home, then we're, we're on the front line because the front line is outside my door. Uh, so, you know, whether you're delivering uh, stuff or you're working, collecting, uh, you know, collecting the trash or, you know, then, then your employer should be really thinking about the risk, uh, your risk profile and are you in the right place or should you be best working somewhere else? And you know, if you're sick, that you isolate appropriately and so that they can plan their resources. So we're actually giving this away to the NHS, but we're also giving it away free to existing clients. And anybody who's not a client can have it for free uh, for the price of a very basic Rainbow license. So we're just trying to, you know, propagate some solutions that are going to make a difference. That's great. 
So tell us a little bit about um, your transition from everyday life into working during the during lockdown. And um, what was that like? You said you were very, you were already kind of set up for that. Uh, you already had a remote working policy and you've just expanded on it or? Yeah, no, that, that's the case. We were always set up to support home working um, and it was the basis of our business continuity plan, which we'd actually tested in January. Uh, so we, we moved to close our London uh, and Norwich offices a, a little earlier than most. So we had time to ensure everyone had the physical support they needed. So desks, chairs, equipment, we literally, you know, hired trucks and went around making sure people had what they needed. Um, and, you know, we, we kind of Zoom all the time anyway. Uh, we just expanded that. So we have, you know, virtual common rooms where people can gather you know, around the kind of virtual coffee room uh, in our physical office in, in Norwich. We have a big indoor garden. So we have the kind of the Rainbird Garden people can gather in. We've even opened a virtual pub, uh, the Rainbird oh, Arms. Uh, nice. Which, uh, we, we all part in and have quizzes and things on, on a Friday night. So I think, you know, whilst we're all struggling to some extent with the social isolation, I think we've made that transition in, in a way that's definitely smoother than many uh, because, you know, we, we didn't have to fight to become a digital business in a hurry, right? We were already a digital business. And I think, you know, it, anybody who aspired to be a digital company, which obviously startups are, but, but not everybody is, then, then now you have to now do that as a matter of survival. Um, and I think you know, the, the challenges for us have just been making sure everybody feels connected. We have a regular all hands every week where we give our highs and our lows of the week. And we, ha we, we all give an ask of each other as a way of staying connected. Um, and uh, uh, we've, we've also taken on things like some, we've offered free uh, counseling service to staff that just feel they need to talk to somebody confidentially and do those things that are responsible. Cause I think, you know, first priority is always to look after your own team um uh, uh you know put on your own mask before helping others perhaps and, and that's pretty much the the sequence that we, we we went through right um so you were pretty uh pretty well set up to go ahead into remote working which is great which allowed to pivot you allowed to pivot quickly and help all these people that you've been helping like your tool for the nhs um what has been your number one frustration or worry uh about you or your company or the co other companies that you work with during covid so I think there's really there's probably two pieces. I mean, the first concern is always the, the physical and mental health of the team, making sure that they're holding up. I, I mean, you know, we're now in, I think, week seven uh, for us. And, and uh, you know, everyone's doing really, really well, but it definitely, we've been very attentive to that. Um, after that, it's always revenue, right? Most, most of the business world is figuring out what the post-COVID-19 world will look like uh, for them. Uh, it's clear that, that whatever normal we're heading towards is going to be very different from the normal that we've come from. Uh, and, we, and because of the sector we're in, because we're an automation business, there's, you know, all of our clients in the markets definitely saying, you know, we're going to need, we're going to need more technology like yours in the future, not less. I mean, businesses that have relied on having physical supervision of contact centers, you know, now those people are increasingly likely to be working from home. And even when we go back, it's going to be different. Um, having technology that can help support decision-making and augment those people is, is, is certainly attractive. So I think, you know, definitely, you know, we, we had no big expectation of writing lots of business uh, uh, once this has happened for a little while. So revenue is always um, important, but, you know, we're very focused on servicing our existing clients. We're lucky enough to have, have revenue, existing revenues going. Mm -hmm. uh, and as I mentioned before, putting ourselves to good purpose. And 
and, and really helping to be part of the way that the market is reorganizing itself and retooling itself for this new world. We're part of that, that retooling. Uh, and in the same way, after the Second World War, you know, businesses had to kind of reinvent themselves. I think anybody who, who went back after the war had finished expecting life and their customers to be exactly like they were before the war is going to go out of business. So there is this rapid evolution that businesses are going through. They're rapidly having to get their digital strategy together. Um, and I think we've been reassured that we're part of that. Um, but, you know, we, we, we've not been writing the business volume that we would have expected to do, but, but then we knew straight away that that wasn't the priority. Right, right. It's amazing how much COVID has been compared to World War II in that the sense that it's, it's the, I guess, the latest thing that really has affected everybody, you know. I think particularly because it, because it was a world war as well. Right, right. Is, you know, I think I've always, one of the things I was very focused on is that, you know, terrible things don't typically happen to us very often. You know, yet terrible things happen in other places all the time. Uh, and I think we've had a, a tremendous, um, particularly in the UK, we've had a tremendous period of relative peace, uh, you know, for a very long time. And uh, this is a global event that, that's, a, that's shaken, shaken everybody. And it, it, is a, it, it's, it sets forth a new, a new world to me. And I think people do find, have found some wisdom in the way that, you know, businesses and us as individuals, uh, people as individuals managed to cope in, during the war and, and found some inspiration in that. Right, right. Um, so keeping all of that in mind, what do you think COVID-19 will mean for the future of work? Well, so, I mean, I mentioned that, you know, businesses that aspire to be digital now have to be as a matter of survival. I think digital isn't just living without paper. You know, once you've got your laptops and your VPNs and your video conferencing working, you then need to start thinking about how you manage the quality of decisions your people are making and to do that efficiently. I mean, organizations have relied on having to be in one place uh, to, to get work done. They've had to reinvent those models. And that's a process re-engineering that actually businesses were doing anyway. Uh, they've now just got to do it at a, at a different pace, but also think about how, the, how, how their customers have changed. Um, uh, you know, I think we as, we as consumers of services now have different expectations and a different view of the world. And I think it's going to take some time for us to, to all figure that out. Um, you know, I, I, even in my, my own, my own world, I think, you know, this is a, this feels like a dress, a series of dress rehearsals for a future that we don't quite understand yet. Oh, wow. um, and, uh, I think being agile and, uh, you know, uh, certainly being, being, being robust, but being willing, willing to be flexible as a business and listen to customers. And, and actually, I think the other thing is just to form partnerships. We're doing a lot of that anyway. We're, we're pretty partner obsessed. But during this process, we're now formally partnered with Blue Prism, which is a, a big RPA provider, robotic process automation provider, because actually our technologies together can solve problems that we can't do individually. And I think businesses are looking for solutions to problems and i think there's a willingness to work with with partnerships that have come together rather than everybody trying to compete with each other uh so i, th I think that's that's definitely it's definitely changed the temperature and i think people have now i think people are being put first as well in a way that we've not seen i think for some considerable time COVID has kind of uh forced us all to show that we're human in a way that we weren't showing before I mean, the fact that we're putting people before the economy, the fact that 
we as organizations uh, are now paying refreshed attention to the health and well-being of our own staff. I think it's created this empathy and this understanding of each other that has been absent. And uh, I think that's a very significant change uh, and one that um, I hope sticks. Great. I love that. Okay, so now we're going to go into what uh, I think is one of the um, fun parts of the interview. I call it life in lockdown. It's supposed to be just a quick fire, fun little part of the interview about hey. what your life looks like in the lockdown. And no or pass are perfectly acceptable answers to any of these questions. Okay, okay? Right. right, definitely. So what does your daily routine look like in lockdown? Uh, okay, so get up at 6.30. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to have a little gym at home, so I, I exercise at home uh, early. I walk my dog with the family, hopefully, uh, uh, before they get up and start their, their school day. I, I commit to sitting outside for a bit to break the day up, um, which is something I find very difficult. I used to come home to when I needed to really work hard, and now I'm really working harder than I've ever heard every day. <laughs> and I have... I. I I've invested in a, 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 a lamp that changes color at 6 p.m. to remind me I may not want to be in my desk all evening. Oh, like a sunrise, su sunrise, sunrise set lamp. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I have one of those. Uh, I have one of those. I think they're brilliant. I use them to wake me up in the morning during winter when it's so dark outside. It's a great, it's a great idea. And, and, and actually, if I'm still here at 8 o'clock, it starts flashing at me to remind me that I have a family and a life outside of me. <laughs> That's great. I love that. Do you have a, a quarantine series binge that you've picked up, something on Netflix or Hulu or a podcast or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've really been enjoying quite a, uh, quite a few podcasts and audio books and things. I've actually been slowly working my way through Bosch on Amazon Prime. Uh, I, it's funny, hmm. it's amazing how many people I've been spoken to have basically said, no, I've done Netflix. Like, I've, I've already gone through everything that I <laughs> possibly watch. I don't spend that much time. Uh, but, but actually, yeah, find, finding a good series that I can maybe work out to in the gym or, or use on wine at night. At the moment, it's, uh, it's Bosch. Nice. Do you have a favorite quarantine snack? Yeah, I, uh, several actually. And exercising more comes with eating more. So yes, uh, fruit and nuts uh, with the occasional homemade uh, oat raisin cookie. There's a lot more baking in the house than there used to be. Uh, having two teenage daughters and my, uh, and my wife as well. So snacks is not something I'm short on. Right. Do you have time to do something now that you didn't before? So, I mean, maybe playing a little bit more music. I, I play the trumpet, uh, although, you know, I'm, I'm, finding it, uh, I'm finding it easier to do that, but I'm also finding myself busier than ever before. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the other thing is, as a family, is we've decided to grow more vegetables and fruit at home. So I'm, oh, I'm that's in lovely. Of building a greenhouse, which turns out to be the worst Meccano uh, challenge ever. I mean, it's like how anybody, it's, it's not an amateur sport, but that's definitely keeping me both physically and mentally taxed. Oh, that's cute. What is the one thing that has kept you sane? I think actually, I'll, I'll be honest, exercise, staying physically active. If it wasn't, I think for the endorphins being produced by exercising a lot more, I'm definitely fittest I've ever been. Uh, that's the one thing that's keeping me together. Great. Um, going into my last couple of questions, what do you think your COVID story will be? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I, I, I mean, hopefully a successful one where we quickly realized that this period was an opportunity to rehearse for the new normal and we're willing to throw the playbook out the window and find a new one, uh, knowing that whatever the new normal is we're heading to, it's going to be different and 
uh, you know, uh, we needed to be agile around that. Nice. What is the one piece of advice you have to the tech and startup community right now? So I think to recognize the reality of where we are and work with that. Uh, the one thing that's certain is that there's going to be uncertainty. Um, you know, all tech companies were startups once and probably not that long ago. Uh, and, and experts in agility and resilience. And I think most of us need to remind ourselves of that and, and, and do that, you know, and continue to, to just be flexible. I think there's a danger in optimists, optimism, which is that it's, you know, if we go, well, it's going to be okay next month or the month after, we don't know when this is going to be okay. And we're going to have to evolve through this process. So I think just accepting the reality of where we are and, uh, maintaining that agility, being resilient, asking for help, working in partnership, uh, and uh, not all, but the majority of us should get through this and, and be strong on the other end. Nice. I like that. Thank you. Um, well, that's all I have. Take care. You too. Have a good day.